Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is good, my people? It's your boy, Big Driz. Back at it like a crack addict, straight up. Seriously, man, some of the shit that I say sometimes, I fucking honestly just just know that I had, you know, smoked too many bongs once upon a time. <laughs> so, yo, I don't know, man, I just wanted to touch base and uh, maybe record something and just be like, yo, what the fuck's going on? Say what up to the peoples. And uh, I wanted to talk about hip-hop pre-tech. It's been on my mind for a while now and... Um, I'm obviously a little bit older and shit. I just turned 41 in May, so for halfway through life, <laughs> you start kind of looking back, especially now that the uh, Bat Bap's been around for a while and you kind of start reflecting on your life and you're looking at certain decisions that you made and certain uh, pathways that you might have taken. It's funny because I have so many regrets, but at the same time, I have so many times that I'm thankful for. And I keep thinking like, would I have all these times that I'm thankful for if it wasn't for all the regrets? So I guess just the balance of life, like the ups and downs of life and shit. So the people out there listening, by the time technology hit in around 2003, 2004, I'd already lived 25, 26 years of my life, and it was glorious. It really, really was a glorious, glorious 26 years. Even though I saw a lot of shit overseas in Croatia, and I honestly believe that a lot of that stuff really shapes who you are. It shapes your soul. And even though I'm a big glute-looking-ass mofo, I really do believe that I have a gentle soul, and I do want the best for people. I really do. I'm a generous guy. I work on respect. Like, if you give me respect, I'll give you the world back. And kind of see myself as a decent human being. I basically just want everyone to do good. I want positivity in life. And I want to see people strive and achieve their goals and dreams. I want to talk about the first time I came across technology and then we'll backtrack. So it was around 2004-ish. I'd literally just left Sydney, so I'd been up there for a while and I'd just come back to Adelaide for three months before I pissed off back up to Darwin. And we used to have this hangout spot at my homie's house. He had a garage and all the boys used to come there. There'd usually be like 10, 15, 20 people sometimes. We'd have drinks and we'd smoke and we'd kick freestyles. There was turntables there. There was a couple of computers there where some of the boys would make beats and it was the pad whatever but one of the boys came past one night and he had a mp3 player it was the first generation apple mp3 player and none of us had seen this shit before this was literally i think it was the first time i've ever seen an mp3 player it was possibly the first time that i'd heard that you could have a small little computer in your pocket that would carry a thousand songs that was their whole thing back then you know a thousand songs in your pocket 
I remember just looking at it and the homie was telling me that it was worth like 550 or $600 and shit. And I was just like, whoa, like shit's crazy. I'm coming from a background of lugging records. So think about a thousand songs on vinyl, especially 12 inches and 45s. And that's a lot of wax. That's a, that's a lot of sore shoulders. And a lot of my DJ, like wax DJs are going to know exactly what I'm talking about. When you go into a gig and you're lugging around heavy gear, you got a case in one hand and you got a record bag on the other shoulder and you got your needle case in your other hand and (laughs) it's never ending really sometimes i used to really just love it when the boys used to come to gigs with me just because one of them could help me carry some shit (laughs) when i look back now i just think to myself why didn't i get something on wheels like i could have just got one of those little trolleys that the old grandmas use but i had other things on my mind back then Before that day where I saw that MP3 player, it was a glorious time. It was turntables and microphones. That was the technology that I knew of. I literally flew up to Darwin with two turntables and a mixer and a bag full of records. This was before planes even used to like check all your luggage and fucking weigh all your shit. Things kind of clamped down after September 11, but before that, and even around that, you know, the plane companies were kind of pretty, uh, they were pretty chill on shit. I remember walking in, like I've got photos when I was going up to Darwin. I literally got on a plane with a backpack that had my mixer in it. I had my turntable, one of my 1200s under my arm. The other one was with my check-in luggage. And then I had a record bag on my other shoulder. That was me walking into a plane with all that shit. And things were cool like that back in the days. The thing about growing up in the 90s, I'm just so thankful to come from the background that I came from. I had my Croatian community. I had a lot of my private school homies from another side. I got expelled in year nine. So I had two groups of homies one was from the old school pre-year nine and then the other one was from the other private school which was years 10 11 and 12 and i got around a lot i knew people from the croatian club i knew people from the two schools like i had so many different groups of friends it was fucking crazy when people say they have trouble making friends i definitely wasn't one of those kids and i'm not saying that there's anything bad with that i feel i really feel for people that have uh problems reaching out to to people but i do kind of feel like that's a new topic as well whereas um it kind of feels like social media is supposed to be helping with all this but all it does is destroy relationships and it just makes people more um uneasy talking to each other yeah i just i had a lot of good times back in the days and after high school i definitely i'm not going to say that i didn't have my dramas because i kind of feel like i had a lot of problems with substance abuse especially with alcohol and personally i always had like a long neck attached to my hand wherever i was i had a long neck is like three long necks back then would be like nine bucks or something so all day you just have a long neck in your hand and then you'd run out then you'd go get three more and that was how you lived and things were very social for me anyway things were very very social and uh in the hip-hop circles you had to kind of be plugged in there was no internet so The way that you were plugged in is through the magazines and through your local community and through your local record shop. We had a couple of record shops in Adelaide, Clinic 116. I remember Clinic 116 before it was anything. Like I remember Clinic 116 when it was 
first started by these two dudes, Mike and Dave, that were cousins. Dave was a drum and bass DJ, and I think Mike was more the hip-hop head, but he used to be in this little arcade in Adelaide on the second floor, and it was, you know, in its early stages, but you had to be hooked up with certain people to really know what was going on. And we used to see little things, little snippets on videos, and you might see something here and there that somebody had taped off TV, but for the most part, it was a community where there was an overly like crazy nerd discussion shit and there wasn't so much focus on the music to the point where it was everything that you were doing like we lived hip-hop and we listened to a lot of hip-hop but at the same time we had a lot of other shit going on there was family obligations and there were school obligations and there was hip-hop and there was girlfriends and there was cars and then there was the homies and then there was the other homies we didn't just sit online all day i'm not speaking for anybody else but kind of like i do now sitting online and checking out facebook and instagram and talking about this record and that record and somewhere along the lines i feel like for me anyway hip-hop just got a little bit too nerdy the facts like you go online and there's always someone fact checking you and shit whereas before we used to just listen to hip-hop man we used to listen to good music you'd go out you'd have a dig at central station i'd always talk to derek madcap and where a lot of people in adelaide didn't really have a lot of respect for derek i did and my whole crew did we fucking loved madcap he was a mentor to me and he was a mentor to a lot of other people as well like delta and he was a good dude he really was he did a lot for the adelaide hip-hop community and there was just so many people that would piss all over him all the time man by robbing shows and stealing clothes or clothes racks at shows and like man he brought so many artists to Adelaide I've seen so many acts because of Derek I have a lot of respect for the guy I really do the scene was small in Adelaide but he made sure that it was super tight to the point where we really 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 respected the fuck out of hip-hop straight up like Adelaide is such a strong city when it comes to just respecting the culture and being a part of the culture and um doing it properly and it's not about money and this that whatever like we really fucking lived it in adelaide and it was like if you're gonna know hip-hop you better know everything about hip-hop you better know about the funk you better know about the influences you better know about the jamaican fucking labor party and shit cool herc the whole nine and we took pride in a lot of that shit just like i said before there wasn't a lot of nerd shit where people were fact-checking each other and beefing on these little levels, but there was a lot of nerd shit when it came to just living hip-hop properly and doing hip-hop properly, having respect for the game. And Derek really set the fucking standard for Adelaide. And there were others as well. There were a lot of others. Hilltop Hoods and there were crews up there. There were some real OGs like Flack from Crossbred Mongrels. You had Debris who was just like this, you know, fucking genius behind the scenes who I have so much respect for as well. And we had crews like After Hours and Terra Firma and Simplex. There was just so many dope, dope things happening in Adelaide back then. The Kimberzen DJ Reflux rivalry where one would win one one competition and the other one would win another competition and then they'd be battling each other again and the city was divided everyone was like man reflux was better nah kim to zen was better 
But even Reflux, I remember Reflux used to say he used to watch Kim DeZen and just be blown away by some of the shit that he was doing. So I think Kim DeZen's one of the most underrated and unappreciated DJs to come out of Adelaide in the 90s and um, he doesn't really get spoken about a lot. I remember one night when he took out the competition with Reflux, man, the whole room was kind of like cheering for Reflux and shit, but Kim DeZen was the better man and... um. I remember kids going up to Kim DeZen and going, oh, man, you didn't deserve to win and shit. Like people that knew nothing about turntablism, but he was on some next shit. So I really hope that one day when somebody rewrites the history books of Australian hip hop that they talk to Kim DeZen because he's one of the real, real goats of the DJ turntablist scene in Adelaide. Sometimes I just wish I could go back to that time, pre-internet. It's funny because I started this kind of like tech channel on YouTube and it's about tech and loving tech, but deep down, like, I would literally give up everything just to go back to a simpler time when tech wasn't really a thing, where we didn't have phones in our pockets and people didn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> We had some seriously good times. There was uh, another time when some of the boys had moved up to Sydney, K-Flow and Mr. Shkem, and me and another homie, Lunas, we took a 26-hour bus ride up to Sydney to see the boys, and it was such an amazing time, man. I remember Lunas, like, we went to Bondi Beach, and he got so fucking burnt. He was literally going through aloe vera bottles like crazy all night. He was redder than a motherfucker. I was looking at some of the photos and shit, and I was just laughing my ass off because he couldn't even lean back on the couch <laughs> how fucking badly burnt he was. But it was the kind of shit you used to do back then. You used to pack a bag and you used to travel. And you used to go out and hang out at these spots, these pads. And that hip-hop pad wasn't the only one that I used to hang out with. I had another Italian friend, John Maletto, and his little brother, Anthony Maletto. They had a uh, big Italian and Croatian kind of like hangout. Massive pad. We used to go up there and gamble and do all sorts of shit. Sunday morning, we'd get all the uh, prozies going through there as well, man. Like run and train and shit. It was fucking... <laughs> <laughs> it's the kind of shit that kids probably will never experience now. Kids will never be like, hey man, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Oh, nothing, I might just kick it and stay at home. What are you doing on Saturday night? Ah, uh, nah, not much. I'm just probably just going to chill and stay at home. Scroll through Instagram, see who's doing what online. I think that the destruction is on levels that we're not even really aware of at the moment because I kind of feel like young adults need to get that kind of stuff out of their systems. They really do. They need to live their lives and be happy and party a little bit. Otherwise, by the time you get to 40 years old, you're going to want to do it then and then you got kids. and So get that shit out of your system early. But going back to the 90s and hip-hop, and uh, I don't know if young people's perceptions of hip-hop back then was that we were on this like discussion type stuff all the time. I mean, we were in our own circles and stuff, but I kind of feel like pre-technology, we were just living a lot more. I was anyway. I was getting around like a motherfucker. I was like flying from Sydney back to Adelaide, to Adelaide, to Melbourne, to Darwin, to flying here, to flying there, to taking buses to here, to there. I had fucking three girlfriends at all times. If I was with one chick, I was still texting two other chicks straight up. If something didn't work out with the missus that I was with, whatever, I'd bounce. I had homies everywhere and you know, hip-hop music was a part of it. 
the records and digging. In Sydney, I used to love digging at like Red Eye and I used to pretty much live at next level when you go up those stairs in George Street under the monorail. I used to just really love being around there and flying to Melbourne and going to Obese Records. I have a photo of me at Obese Records. I think it was around 2003-ish, 2004-ish. It's funny because the stage is set record is like in the front window and shit. And I remember when I was going in there, I ended up buying Culture Kings uh, 2, you know, how they came separately and stuff. So I think they were 19 bucks a pop. I have this massive grin on my face. My girlfriend at the time, who was fucking eight years older than me, she took the photo and uh, I remember being so happy, man. I was like, fuck, I'm in Melbourne. I'm at Obese Records. I bought some Aussie hip hop. Had the biggest smile on my face and i used to just live used to just really fucking live hip-hop was coming through good channels djs and being at the planet in adelaide when i saw cool keith over a thousand people there and hijack performed as well um not the english hijack uh we have an mc in australia hijack and torture from sydney i remember when blue flowers came on i was like in a fucking trance like i was on acid fuck knows i probably was (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> back then and then seeing gangstar and primo and guru and crazy shit and uh we didn't have this influx of internet remixes and this is when myspace kind of started to come up a little bit later on 2004 2005ish and there was no guardians to the hip hop galaxy anymore You know, I hate to fucking say that. It sounds so whack, but it just seems like everybody started putting their stuff out and there was no quality control anymore. The hip-hop community just started getting flooded with things that weren't worthy of being recorded, pressed, or even released. But I was doing it. Shit, I was releasing tracks that the instrumental wasn't mastered and the raps were whack. Well, you know, the raps were good, but then you'd like have these little stutter moments where it was just garbage. The whole scene just started to get, what's the word I'm looking for? It was just oversaturated with garbage and the quality control just went out the window. Whereas before DJs used to kind of push underground records, now anybody could push their underground record online. And the really, really good stuff started to die out because those artists, they weren't getting paid as much. I mean, Cool Keith said it. Cool Keith went from being like this rock star, like hip hop star, to having other crews undercut for shows that were getting paid fuck all for shows, 500 bucks a thousand bucks this that whatever so guys booking shows started booking crews that weren't charging as much why get cool keith to perform when you can get somebody like dilated peoples to perform i mean that's probably a bad example because i love dilated but you know what i'm saying like dilated would probably do a show for two grand and shit whereas cool keith man cool keith was a, a big act he demanded big arenas especially when dr octagon after all that shit released he was a big fucking star man in the hip-hop community gangster they were huge There were a lot of acts that probably started to starve because of technology and floodgates just opened up. They opened up and there was no more quality control. Funny because Jurassic 5 did an album called Quality Control. It was about the time that there was no quality control. 
I remember seeing J5, man. That one was a pretty fucking amazing night. And I also remember seeing DJ Newmark in the city in Melbourne. That was a fucking amazing night too. It was so paro, man. I ended up walking home. I was living in Kuyong at the time. So many people dancing and laughing. I feel like a lot of people are going to miss out on those kind of moments in their life. And I'm starting to see it more and more. And I'm starting to see it within myself as well. So I'm not just talking about other people, but I find myself reaching for my phone and just getting locked into this screen. It's kind of like I'm safe when I'm, I'm looking into the screen. It's shit. It really is shit. For me, that's my personal thoughts. Pre-technology, life was so much simpler. It was just, it really was a fucking amazing time. I just watched The Last Dance uh, two or three weeks ago and I followed that shit really closely in the 90s. So I was like, man, I already know a lot of that stuff, but it was good seeing little snippets here and there behind the scenes. It took me back to such a awesome time where I was just kicking it with the homies on hot summer nights and going down to Glenelg in my VL and shit. I had a VL uh, Berliner back in the days and we used to just go on mad cruises down there and smoke a little bit and, you know, and get some of the boys to drive the car so I could have a drink and with the tapes and we used to just have these tapes like I, I was such a badass like back in the days when it came to women as well I had a whole section I remember of R&B tapes in the glove box and I don't know what came first my love for R&B or if I was just making these tapes to impress these women and then the R&B grew on me I actually try to think about that and trying to figure it out but I couldn't figure out which one came first but uh fuck knows probably knowing me I'd probably say that it was uh I was making those tapes for the chicks because I remember back then I was listening to so much Smith and Wesson and Boot Camp and Wu-Tang so much West Coast shit I've always been a massive fan of West Coast shit even though I love East Coast man West Coast is where my heart is I just love those sounds I love that gangster shit <laughs> I really want to say that Adelaide was no joke back then either. You couldn't be a sucker. And I was just one of those people that always had his money right. They're some of the things that I talk about now. They're the regrets that I have because it was short money back then. I want my pockets fat, not flat, you know. <laughs> I feel like I kind of hurt a lot of people as well with some of the shit that I was doing. And uh, it's not my proudest moments. For sure, it just isn't. If I could change it, I would. I really would. I know that uh, this podcast might sound a little bit somber, but I just wanted to make something from the heart. Drizlak style Stilo. When I rest my head, it's on a pillow. And Bebo. I'm going to put a little post up on Instagram. What do you guys think about pre-technology era hip-hop? The good old days. 26 years I lived without technology. And if I could go back to that shit, I would 100%. It was a simpler time. It was a better time. Things had so much soul. Things had so so much meaning and i miss it i really do i really miss those times what are you gonna do man we are where we are at the moment i just hope that things don't get worse in australia because i've seen this happen before in my home country i've seen politics and division amongst people and this guy said this that guy said that let's divide the rich against the poor and kind of seems like that's all happening man in melbourne the people with money they're not hurting the people that are losing their businesses and their houses, their livelihoods and their jobs. 
they're the ones that are hurting. They're under the same roof 23 hours a day with their kids not going to school and having to homeschool their kids while they're working as well. I couldn't imagine what some people are going through. So I'm always thankful for my situation and I feel like I really don't have the right to complain. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for chilling with me. It really does mean the world to me. Every single one of you that fucking tunes into this podcast that since I started, I'm going to kill the hip hop channel on YouTube. I don't really like being on camera that much. I kind of feel like I do get the reward out of my tech channel. I don't get the reward out of my hip hop channel. So I'm going to kill that shit, but I feel like I really do get the reward out of my podcast. I feel like there are a lot of people out there that are listening and, um, wherever you are in the world thank you so much for chilling with me it really is appreciated i hope that you're listening to some good tunes i'm gonna make one recommendation for anybody that has itunes i've been pumping the absolute crap out of this it's called uk rap and then underneath it just says apple music there's probably about 50 tracks on here from dutchavelli to K Trap, Morrison, Millions, Digger D, Nines, Pounds, Potter Piper, D Block Europe, Frosty, Miss Banks, uh, J1, Dizzy Rascal, and many, many more Bugsy Malone. So if you get a chance to check that shit out, just type in UK Rap. The cover has UK Rap written on it consistently like it just keeps going in black and white text and then there's a green spray can that's uh crossed out the cover so hopefully you guys can find this one it really really is dope that's my recommendation and then again uh there's another album called nines his new album just dropped a few weeks back which is called crabs in a bucket that's been on heavy rotation with me as well of course the leanne la harvest album has been on heavy rotation and what else can i recommend can recommend conway the machine's new album it's kind of like that same sound from griselda kind of seems like they can't elevate past what it is but it's a pretty decent album then there's another album which isn't hip-hop that i've had on heavy heavy rotation which is inner song kelly lee owens if you get a chance to listen to that it is absolutely brilliant but yeah, I'm going to leave it at that, man. I'm just yammering at this point. I hope you guys are really well out there. Once again, man, so much respect for coming and chilling with your boy, Drizlax. It is appreciated. All the feedback is appreciated. Shout out to my homie Nixon who hit me up and he just let me know shit that a brother would let another brother know about his podcast and how to make things better. Your input is really appreciated, homie. So one love, man gonna leave it there play this outro and um peace yeah 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 la de taco yeah la de burrito that hard shell shit man I need those little uh, soft shell boats man get that garlic sauce and shit the chicken nuggets oh